On a recent weekday, I sat down on a journey to Brighton with our election intern, Max Lubers. First, we got Max's mic warmed up. One, two, one, two. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Thank you. And then we started talking to voters. Sure. Hi. Good morning. How are you? We had picked Brighton because it's one of the most evenly divided cities, politically speaking, in the Denver metro area. And it's a place where we thought we might just find a much talked about, much theorized about kind of voter. All right. So first of all, could I just have you uh, say and spell your name? Raul, R-A-U-L. Coincidentally enough, the first person Max talked to, Raul, turned out to be part of this group of voters we were hunting for. The ones who are, in a lot of ways, right in the middle of the state's politics right now. Raul is... Unaffiliated. So if you didn't catch it, Raul was saying he's unaffiliated. He doesn't have a D or an R on his registration form. He's not formally connected to either one of the parties. And Colorado recently adopted the system where unaffiliated voters like him get to participate in primaries, which is new. The catch is that they have to choose which primary they want to vote in. They can either help to pick the Republican nominees or help to pick the Democratic nominees. This time, we caught Raul as he was dropping off his ballot for the Republican primary. I, uh, I, I just came to deliver my, my vote, and I'm doing it uh, on the Republican. Now, Raul actually leans Democratic, but this year he decided that the GOP primaries were just more interesting and more important. I think Democrats have an easier time this year. They, they, they have mostly single uh, options on most of the choices. Whereas Republicans have several uh, multiple choices, so I, I studied a little bit the Republican side, and, and that's what I decided to do. So the reason we're talking about Raul is that he is a perfect illustration for one of the biggest questions that I'm asking about this upcoming primary election. It's how big of an influence will these unaffiliated voters have in picking the candidates that the Republicans send to the general election this year, and what will that mean for Colorado politics? This is Purplish from CPR News. It's a podcast about Colorado politics, policy, and for this season, elections. I'm Andrew Kenny here with my colleague, Benta Berkland. Hey, Andy. So the first thing that we always have to note when we talk about unaffiliated voters is they're the single biggest group of voters in Colorado. There are more of them than there are Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Green Party, and this year, they are just pouring into the Republican primaries in much larger numbers than they have in the past couple cycles. That's right. And in part, that's because we've only had unaffiliated voters able to participate in primaries since 2018. So hmm. that's pretty recently. And those last two elections since then had a lot of contested Democratic races in the primary. But this year, most of the hot contests are on the Republican side mm -hmm. in big races like U.S. Senate and governor. So that appears to be drawing more unaffiliated voters in. And as you said, they could have a big influence. Yeah, totally. This is the first year under this system that we've had a bunch of them, a bunch more of them heading toward the Republican primaries. So in this episode, we're going to look back. First of all, at this whole big change, this whole effort to give unaffiliated voters a voice in these state primaries. And then we're going to look ahead at how they might really influence Tuesday night's results. And as we talked about in our last episode of Purplish, a lot of the Republican races in this primary highlight very stark ideological differences and contrasts within the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. So this reflects real divides Republican voters have. 
But Republicans are not going to be the only force deciding some of these races. Yeah, it's going to be, like we're saying, these unaffiliated voters. And we've been seeing that a lot of them, like Raul, are really interested in those contrasts between the farther right and the centrist GOP candidates. And that's leading a lot of them to pick up that Republican ballot. And in many cases, they're voting for the more moderate candidates. Um, I like candidates to be centrist. So I voted for what I feel are not extreme candidates. So maybe you're picking up on what the influence of these unaffiliated voters could be this year. But before we get further into the political implications for 2022, let's just back up a little bit and explain some of the backstory of why this group is suddenly so important to state politics. The roots of this whole change of of allowing unaffiliated voters to participate in primaries began in 2016. And that happened as more Colorado voters were becoming unaffiliated. Mm -hmm. So prior to this, registered Republicans voted in the Republican primary. Democrats voted in the Democratic primary and you had to be registered with either political party. Everybody stayed in their little box. That's right. And some people wanted unaffiliated voters to also have a voice. Hmm. And so the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce and some other business interests put up the money to get a question on the ballot so voters could decide. They wanted to make Colorado an open primary state. Yes, this idea was to give unaffiliated voters full rights to participate in the contests that really matter when it comes to who ends up representing them. Yeah. And so in 2016, at the time, I talked to Kent Theory. He was the CEO of Denver-based kidney care company, DeVita. He led the Let Colorado Vote campaign. We now have a world where there are more independents in Colorado than there are Democrats or Republicans. And the notion that a small fraction of each party picks the finalist and the rest of the people in the party and all the independents only get to choose between those two extreme candidates, that's just not healthy democracy. So this opens up this new world for unaffiliated voters. But by the way, I actually didn't realize, didn't remember that it was business interests leading this campaign. Why were they interested? Why did, what did Ken Theory care? Well, for the business community overall, like the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce, the concern was political gridlock in Washington, D.C. And business leaders hoped that by allowing unaffiliated voters to participate, it would lead to more moderate candidates coming out of these primaries Mm. and potentially those moderate candidates being elected to office. So even though unaffiliated voters aren't all monolithic, it was trying to move the state away from having the most partisan voters on the left and right selecting candidates for the general election. So this idea that more moderate candidates that are willing to make compromises and work with the other side of the aisle could help make Colorado and national politics more functional. It's a pretty like fundamental change when you think about it. Primaries, by definition, in the past here were all about members of a party selecting who represents the party. And now we're saying we're going to open that up to a much larger group that's going to include people who don't feel that attached to the party, don't feel attached enough to put a D or an R on their registration form. So voters clearly liked the idea, too, because the measure passed. It's been in effect since 2018. And I should say, it's not a true open primary system here, unlike in other states where everybody can vote wherever they want. Democrats here have to stay in the Democratic primary, Republicans in the Republican primary. It's the unaffiliated voters who get to really choose which one to participate in. 
So I got DU political science professor Seth Maskett to walk us through the system and some of the early concerns about it. So unaffiliated voters get sent both the Democratic and Republican primary ballots in the mail, and they have to choose which one to send back. And if they vote twice, they cancel their vote out. Um, there, there, there were a lot of potential for problems. And uh, I think surprisingly, very little of that happened. Unaffiliated voters kind of took to the system like ducks to water. They figured it out. We've now been through two statewide elections and unaffiliated participation has seemed to grow during that time. Mm-hmm. And through that, we've also learned a little bit more about who this growing group of voters is. I think one thing we've learned is that a lot of these unaffiliated voters are pretty politically engaged. Mm-hmm. The conventional wisdom has kind of been that people who are unaffiliated wouldn't make a difference in primaries because they wouldn't bother to vote. The idea that you're just you're maybe not as engaged. That's why you're mm-hmm. not a Republican or a Democrat. But the numbers we've seen in Colorado don't show that. Yeah, exactly. If you look back, a half million unaffiliated voters returned ballots in the 2020 primaries. They were 32 percent of the total and ended up being pretty much equal with registered Republicans and Democrats. I think one thing that's important to remember, though, is that the majority of unaffiliated voters aren't swing voters. Hmm. So most of them lean toward a political party. So I think I've read that only about 5 to 10 percent are persuadable by either party. Yeah, I think there's this perception that when you put the U next to your name, it means you're just middle of the road, whichever way the wind blows. I don't know. You're totally open to suggestion. And the truth is that lots of them have pretty partisan leanings. They just don't want to be connected to the party so formally. But they do kind of remain this black box compared to Republicans or Democrats, where since there's so much variety in them, since you don't have such a clear signal about which party they prefer, you don't always know what you're going to get from this group. That's right. There's, a, I think, safe to say a wider ideological divide mm-hmm. uh, among unaffiliated voters because you can get someone who's very conservative and very progressive and then also people who are moderate. Now, we have gotten some signals about who unaffiliateds are in Colorado. In the previous two elections, they really flocked toward the Democratic primaries. In 2020, almost like three times as many of them voted in the Democratic primaries as the GOP primary. One thing, if a voter is more leaning to the left or leaning to the right, they'll often vote in that party's primary. Yeah, yeah. When you were looking at that data, you were mentioned from 2020 and in 2018, it seemed to be a sign that unaffiliated voters would be supporting Democrats in the general election. And indeed, Democrats did win in those years. Democrats are in charge of Colorado's government. So that supported this idea. But there's also another reason unaffiliated voters may have been voting in those Democratic primaries, because you have to look at where the most high profile primary races are happening in which party. And in 2020, Colorado had Democratic primaries for president and for U.S. Senate. So that may have been another reason unaffiliated voters dove in that year. And that dynamic that you were just describing where all the interest or a lot of the interest was on the Democratic side, that's flipped this year. We don't have a lot of competitive Democratic primaries, no statewide primaries. And we're seeing evidence that a lot of those voters, or at least a good chunk of them, who had been more interested, participating more in the Democratic side in the past, may well be going to that Republican side and helping to pick the candidates. Seth Maskett says there's good evidence that even if these unaffiliated voters lean Democratic, they can make some different and changing choices about where they use their vote. There's some evidence that it's just it's a somewhat more Democratic leaning group overall. But obviously, that can shift around a lot. Colorado makes it very easy to switch parties, even on Election Day, if you want. Um, You know, so the voter behavior can change a lot. Also, the uh, 
the number of people calling themselves unaffiliated has, has grown pretty substantially in recent years. And so, uh, you know, it's, it, it remains a, a somewhat mysterious population that's now like the largest voting group in Colorado. So I mentioned that we had some numbers about how this is maybe changing this group in this year's primaries. What we've seen is that the number of unaffiliated voters participating in these Republican contests is up like 50 percent higher than it was in 2020, even as overall turnout is down. So to my eye, they're going to make up maybe a significantly bigger portion of that GOP electorate than they have in the past. But what we don't know is where they're going to weigh in, what races, and exactly what they're going to do. So as we're talking about the the role unaffiliated voters will have in these Republican primary races, one race that we see a lot of people focus on and and mention frequently is Colorado's third congressional district. So that's the Western Slope, Southern Colorado, includes Pueblo, includes Grand Junction. We've actually seen about 8,000 Democrats become unaffiliated people who live in that congressional district. Now, this is the district that Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert represents. And our colleague, Caitlin Kim, interviewed some of those voters who said they became unaffiliated so they could vote against Lauren Boebert. Because remember, this is a Republican seat. A lot of political experts think Boebert's very safe, but 8,000 switching is no small number. They all sent in the form and decided they wanted to become unaffiliated. And then you got to add in the tens of thousands of people who were already unaffiliated in the district and now might be more tempted to go in on that race could be a factor. And the campaign certainly recognized the role unaffiliated voters could play this year. Some of the candidates are reaching out to those voters. For instance, Boebert's challenger, State Senator Don Corum, and for U.S. Senate, the Joe O'Day campaign. And I think we're even seeing a little bit in how Lauren Boebert is communicating with voters She's trying to make the case for her effectiveness in Congress. So sending out press releases about the money she's bringing back to the district and everything she's doing for the district. Yeah, kind of like classic congressional messaging instead of doing battle on Twitter. Exactly. And I think we're also seeing it in the race for U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. So we have Republican State Representative Ron Hanks and Joe O'Day. And Hanks and O'Day are both aware of this significant voting block. But what's interesting, Hanks is the most conservative of the two candidates, Mm. but he's actually not moderating his positions at all to try to appeal to unaffiliated voters in the way O'Day is. Mm. Hanks says he thinks the arguments he's using to try to win over the Republican base will also work with unaffiliated voters. I can win this. And, you know, Biden is so bad, the economy is so bad that unaffiliated need and will take an objective look about what's going on. They may not like Republicans, but they ought to be sure and recognize Republicans didn't create this ditch that we're in. Uh, Joe Biden dug it himself and Michael Bennett enabled him. I think Hanks is only kind of half right there. He's correct that maybe Republicans will pick up some support from unaffiliated voters in general because of how unhappy people are about the economy. But that doesn't mean that he in particular is going to pick up those unaffiliated voters in the primary. We've heard from quite a lot of them that are not interested in more extreme positions, not interested in denying the election. 
if they split more moderate, those unaffiliated voters are not going to help Hanks. They may help O'Day. But on the other hand, unaffiliated voters aren't the only factor here. Hanks could benefit from a surge of very conservative right-wing voters, too, who are very enthusiastic and agree with him on a lot of the issues. Right. The party base is going to play a role, not just the unaffiliated. In a way, this is a showdown a little bit between the forces that usually shape primaries and then new forces that could also shape them this year. This is our third election under this new system, and it's the first time that the Republicans have had by far the most competitive and most interesting primaries. And as a result, we're seeing unaffiliated voters head toward those Republican races. And we're going to find out what that means for the party and what it means for Colorado politics overall. We've definitely heard some excitement from these unaffiliated voters about getting to influence the primaries, especially the Republican primaries this cycle. But there's also been backlash, especially from some in the Republican Party. I remember when voters first approved opening up primaries to unaffiliated voters. So this was in 2016. The GOP state party chair at the time was Steve House. What's the point of having a private membership organization that allows non-members to vote? You basically said, all right, I've got a board, but anybody who happens to show up off the street that day, they can vote. I don't like that. I think that's the wrong idea. Right. And if you fast forward to today, Lauren Boebert's campaign, also not happy. They've rejected the whole idea of open primaries. They say it should only be party members who choose the party candidates. And you can imagine if she were to somehow lose this, how furious she and many of her supporters would be. And what's also interesting is that over the last couple of years, Various groups of Republicans have actually floated different efforts to try to drop the primary entirely for the Republican Party. So they would want to instead pick candidates through the caucus and the assembly process. And that would entirely keep unaffiliated voters out. So those efforts clearly have not gone anywhere, but that's definitely something a faction of the party would really get behind. Oh, you know, what's funny is I'm not sure that all the Democrats really love this system either. Same problems with the Republicans. Open primaries dilute the value of being a party member, undermine the party's power. And then specifically, some of these Democratic strategists don't want unaffiliated voters going and helping moderate Republicans out. Moderate Republicans are more likely, theoretically, to get elected in Colorado. This system may end up helping Republicans politically and hurting Democrats' chances this year. Yeah, that's exactly right. In the last few weeks, Democratic groups have actually been spending large amounts of money on ads in these GOP primary races to try to help the farther right candidates win the nomination. Oh, my head hurts. Yeah. So Democrats clearly think a very conservative candidate would be much easier to defeat this fall. So if you've gotten a little lost, basically Democrats are doing this thing that could really help the further right candidates. But at the same time, like we've been saying, a lot of these moderate and liberal unaffiliated voters are running into these primaries and doing exactly the opposite. They're rushing in to help the moderates. And so uh, it's going to be confusing. Stay tuned for our primary night coverage because there's just so many things up in the air right now. Another potential factor that I've heard in some of my reporting over the years is that when someone votes for a candidate in the primary, it makes it more likely for that voter to also support them in the general election because the voters invested maybe some amount of time and energy learning about that candidate. So it may give that candidate a little bit of a leg up in that person's mind. So with a lot more unaffiliated voters returning GOP ballots this time, 
and all the possible frustration people are feeling with Democrats, inflation and et cetera. Uh-huh. Is there a chance that this could actually help Republicans pass primary day? Is that something you're hearing more from an academic perspective or is that something that Republicans are hoping happens? I haven't actually talked to anyone about it in the, in the last few weeks, but this is something I've heard from the academic perspective, but I've also heard it from campaigns as well. Well, I could partially buy it. Obviously, yeah, Republicans are getting to talk to these voters a lot earlier. People are paying attention to these candidates a lot earlier. So, yeah, it does give them more time to sink in. But my take is that I wouldn't be so concerned about, oh, well, is Raul later going to vote for one of these candidates because he voted for him once, he's going to vote for him twice. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest impact of Raul's vote here is that if he helps a moderate Republican get nominated, that could affect the votes of many other people who then may be tempted to go vote for that moderate Republican instead of the Democrat. So, you know, Raul could have a lot of influence here. By the way, he is still going to go Democrat in the fall. I think in the general election, I'll, I'll, I'll expect to be voting mostly Democrat, but not all. Point being, unaffiliated voting could have a huge effect on the general if they help to nominate a more, quote unquote, electable Republican. And interesting that you know the, the voter you talked to didn't say he was 100 percent voting Democratic. You know, he said mostly. Yeah, he saw himself as a centrist, which I guess is our classic image of these unaffiliateds. Anyway, to sum it up in really, really as quick as I can, classic criticism about primaries is that they draw the most partisan voters, produce the most partisan candidates. This year, we'll see for Republicans if letting in a new group of people can change that pattern. So I think it'll be fascinating, regardless of how this turns out, we'll learn something either way about these unaffiliated voters. Yeah, man, every election is kind of its own experiment. And just to remind you, there is still time to vote in the primary if you haven't voted yet. It is probably cutting it too close to mail your ballot to be sure it arrives on Tuesday. So if you still want to vote, your best bet is to drop off your ballot at a drop box or vote in person at a voting center in your county. And you can do that anytime before 7 p.m. on June 28th. Be there. We will be there, actually. We'll be covering the results that night. So listen to CPR News from 7 to 8 on primary night and tune in the next morning for all our coverage. We also have a website. You might have heard of it, cpr.org. We hope you'll follow along with us. That's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at cpr.org. I'm Andrew Kenny with my colleague Benta Berkland. Thanks again to our intern Max Lubers for doing a great job reporting the field with me. Thank you for listening. This is Purplish from CPR News.